BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to Me Acme. I am so excited for so much. First of all, for today's episode, because I know that you love to hear a male perspective. And I think that Evan really came through with that perspective. I'm excited for you to hear his opinions, our debates, all of that. And then I'm also excited to tell you about We Met at Camp. I have to say last year was great. This year totally surpassed last year in every way, shape and form because the camp was just like insane. Like this is a camp that I hope that my kid could get into one day. It was so gorgeous in terms of the facilities, like it had recently been renovated and the staff that already exists like at this camp, their staff is so unbelievable. Like there's a a lot, they're from all over. There's a lot of Kiwis. They're really just such good humans and they were so helpful. And everyone that came to camp had the best energy. Like I am not sure of a lot of things, but what I'm sure of is that people who come to our events have the most incredible outlook. And I really do think that's why that they meet people. And speaking of meeting people, there were a ton of couples by the end. And I'm going to get into it. But first, I have to give a very well-deserved shout out to some incredible brands that really came through for us at camp. The first brand is actually a dating app. It's 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 called First Rounds on Me. You should totally check it out. They sponsored our tennis. It was awesome. Whispering Angel, the best rosé in the game. I used to drink it back in my heyday. Belvedere, incredible vodka. I mean, 21 Seeds. Just all of our alcohol sponsors were so amazing. My friend Allison, her brand, it's called Say So. They're awesome too. They're like this. It's like instead of margarita mix, it's like in a tea bag and you just put it in your drink and it's all of a sudden you have a margarita. It's amazing. I mean, where do I even begin? The Summer Fridays team sent us the most incredible products. I mean, our gift bag was off the charts and I was so excited about Summer Fridays being involved because I'm a huge fan of Mariana and dying to have her on the podcast. I mean, members only love wellness. Another brand that I've worked with in the past that I love. We had incredible workout and amazing workout from Con Body. I am obsessed with Soretta. She's the instructor there. I mean, pop and bottle coffee, Vita Coco, panic panties, the you need this snacks, the masa chips, bada bean, eat sweet nothings, house chips. I ate house with every single meal. Good wipes amazing for wiping your bum after you, you know, go to the bathroom. Aloha, best bars ever. If you've never tried an Aloha bar, their cookie dough bars changed my life. Kula for sunscreen, liquid death, our favorite water ever. And not to mention Element, who's also a sponsor of this podcast. I'm literally staring at four boxes of Element right now. It's my favorite ever, ever, ever. Anyway, you get the gist. We were so lucky to work with so many incredible brands who just really stepped it up to make our gift bag and our entire experience amazing. Real, the it's R-A-E-L, that brand that they have amazing like women's products. 
also an incredible brand to work with. And I got to tell you about camp now. So everyone arrived on Friday. There were two buses. So people kind of got there between like two. The first bus was arrived at like 2.30. The second bus didn't get there till 8.15. It was kind of shitty weather, raining, but everyone still had such good energy. We had lunch when everyone got there. We brought everyone to their cabins. We had these golf carts to take everyone with their bags. It was like so cool. Really just like an amazing camp experience. I think. And everyone just was so willing to meet each other. I remember at the first lunch, I took the microphone and I was like, if you see someone sitting alone, go sit with them. And people were so good about that. Not one person was sitting alone, barely alone at all during the weekend. Like everyone made sure that everyone, you know, was conversing and meeting and we were like, we put so much effort and energy into the bunks and who would be in in what bunk. I did it with this amazing woman named Michelle, who's a rock star when it comes to camps. If you ever do a camp, she's your girl, but she's my girl. So don't take her. Um, No, she's amazing. And we were really thoughtful about the bunks. There were, you know, co-ed bunks. There were just girl bunks. There were single bunks, depending on what people wanted and paid for. And all of the bunks that were like people who came alone that were put together ended up being best friends. It was so cool to see like even on the bus, people became really close, which is the best part about taking the bus versus taking your own car. And I say that all the time about like, even like, you know, my, my cousin just graduated from UT and she's back in the city and she's like, I think I want to live alone. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. Like, you know, living with other people when you're in a formative situation, like graduating from college or and being in the real world or going to a camp where you don't know anyone, like that's the moment where you should be with others and get to know each other. And that's really how you expand your social network and meet people. And I really love to see that they were so close so fast and Friday night was so much fun. We had a great, we have this amazing band, Happy Medium, and they did camp last year too. They're so great. They actually have a show in the city October 21st, so check them out. And then we had a DJ, this guy, Mark Wolf. He's also awesome. And people were out Friday night until like 2 a.m., maybe later. There were some hookups Friday. I mean, I'm not going to reveal anyone, but there were some hookups for sure. Um, which last year there weren't really hookups until the last night, like until Saturday night, but people were just, people were ready to go, which I love. And there was actually a hookup. Um, someone told me, I'm not going to name names, but that they hooked up with a guy in the tennis, like pro room or whatever it's called the pro shop. And there were like tennis balls everywhere. And he like laid her down on the tennis balls. I'm like, Oh my God, that's out of control. Amazing. So hookups the first night, then the second day, Saturday, the weather, thank God came through. We had yoga, we had con body, we had all these classes going. There were so many activities. There was trapeze, which was so cool. Pickleball, tennis, water sports. People were water skiing. There was this like really cool kind of contraption in the water and like this water trampoline. It was just so much fun. We did color war. I was on the green team and Kayla, who does events, we met at Acme was doing, she was leading the white team with Steven who couldn't really move at all because of his back surgery. And we won the green team won. It was so much fun. I may or may not have rigged the system by putting a few more people on our team, but you know, who's to say, and it was just so, it was just truly so much fun. we had happy hours every night with amazing pigs in a blanket and all these incredible foods. No one went hungry. That's for sure. The food at independent Lake camp was amazing. That's the name of the camp, by the way, if you are looking to do an event there, or if you want to send your child there, Jeff, who's in charge is such a G like love him. And it was just so much fun Saturday night. Obviously it all went down like any sort of hookups that had been brewing sexual tension that had been brewing, really came to a head. Everyone was making out Saturday night. It was incredible. And if you weren't making out, you were hanging out with your new best friends and your bunk mates, which was also incredible. I I just, I had the best time 
just seeing everyone like enjoying themselves is, is so incredibly rewarding and, and so great. And I don't know that we're going to do it next year. I never say never, but it is a lot. It's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, usually guys are very last minute with their signups. Like girls are totally on top of it, but guys are like, you know, we had like 50 guys sign up like the day before and it's, and it's stressful. And then you have to make up the beds for everyone and put more gift bags together. And it's a lot, but it is definitely every time, like it is worth it at the end. And I'm just like, wow, that was an incredible weekend. So thank you to everyone who came and stay tuned because we'll be posting tons of content coming up. And it was, it was really awesome. So I'm excited for you to listen to this episode with Evan and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. I have been leaning on Dipsy more than you can imagine with Steven's injury. I, you know, I'm still a human who wants to feel good and feel sexy and have an orgasm because it helps me sleep. It helps. It actually feels so much better when you have an orgasm when you're pregnant. I'm just saying. And I couldn't do it without Dipsy because I, I'm visual, but I also need some audio. So if you don't know what Dipsy is, it's an app full of hundreds of short and sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with like immersive soundscapes, realistic characters. Like if camp is something that turns you on, like we're just talking about in this, you know, then you have an imaginary camp crush that maybe you meet in the back cabins or maybe in the tennis pro shop, whatever it is, Dipsy has new content released every week. So if you have your favorite stories that you listen to again and again, you can always find something new to explore. And if you're, you know, having trouble sleeping, they have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories that you can read because they say it's like statistically proven that reading before bed actually helps you sleep better. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash Acme. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash Acme. That's dipsystories.com slash Acme and enjoy. How do I ask my boss for a raise? I'm so jealous of my coworkers' promotion. I just don't know what to do. Is there a good way to brag about my accomplishments? Careers are complicated, and there are so many hush-hush topics we're told we can't talk about. That's why you have the Career Contessa podcast. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and each week I'm joined by experts to help you overcome your workplace woes with actionable advice that you can use today. Subscribe to the Career Contessa podcast and make progress in your career every Tuesday. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am so excited to be here with dating coach for smart and successful women, Evan Mark Katz. Hey, Evan. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. Excited to be here. Thanks for coming on. So before we get started, Evan, what is your favorite romantic gesture? I just got back from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and my favorite thing is buying something unexpected for my wife. So I was there. The first thing I saw was a little jewelry shop and came back with these matte silver earrings. It doesn't, it's nothing like she had in her collection. So surprising her with gifts is one of my favorite things to do. I love it. But what about the reverse? What romantic gesture do you like? To receive? Mm-hmm. 
It's funny. I don't spend too much time thinking about it. I'm more likely to be doing the giving and to enjoy the appreciation of giving. My wife is a stay-at-home mom. She had a career for 16 years and then stopped it, went on eternity leave, trademark. She went on eternity leave. And so she doesn't, you know, it's not about those kind of gifts. It's really, she just makes my life better in a million ways. I love it. I love it. Well, I feel like it doesn't have to be a gift. It could be something as simple as like when she gives me a hug in the morning, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's when she encourages me. It's I, don't, I wouldn't call it romantic per se, but it's when she encourages me to think bigger and dream bigger, like kind of wind beneath my wings. Like, I believe you can do that thing you think you can do. So it's a it's a mutually symbiotic relationship where we're constantly pumping each other up and coming home from parties and saying, aren't we the best couple? Yeah, we're the best couple. <laughs> I think you guys probably have that, too. Yeah, yeah, we did. Actually, in my vows, we I said something like, thank God we're us or something. And it's it's a necessary feeling that you should have in your relationship for sure. Right. It cultivates gratitude. Anytime you can come home for a party with friends you really love and be like, thank God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, whew, I, I feel really lucky having dated, having having explored a lot to feel really secure in your relationship and know I have zero th- second thoughts about about our relationship. And now we're 15 years in, you know, married 15 years come November. So wow, congratulations. That's that's a big deal. And backing up a little bit for those listening who don't know Evan, how old are you and where are you from? I am 51 years old and I'm originally from New York. I've spent most of my adult life in Los Angeles. Nice. And tell us how you became a dating coach. I read the long version, but maybe you can give us like the more spark notes version. But I read, you know, a little bit about your history at JDate and some other really interesting things and and all the books that you have read, which I mean, have written and I'm sure have read too. Um, I read one or two. Yeah. So tell us a little bit. I was a screenwriter. I mean, that's why I moved here. Someone wrote for Friends in 1994. I figured, why not me? And after 10 years and coming really, really close, I wasn't making any money and I didn't want to be the 40-year-old guy trying to sell a screenplay and having a hard time dating because I wasn't in any position to take care of anybody else. And so I went to film school. While I was in film school, I supported myself by getting a job answering phones at JDate, getting yelled at by Yentas. (laughs) Not my temperament, but... I did that job for a year, wrote a book about online dating in 2003. And unlike my Hollywood career, the book went really, really well. And so I dropped out of film school and I became the dating guy, you know, and I was was the first dating coach. There was no such thing 20 years ago. And it started with online dating profile writing, right? People like, oh my God, I'm getting all this attention. What do I do now? And so I started to help them with flirting and then flirting led to dating, led So I became this dating coach, which was not a job description before, and realized that 80% of my clients were the same kind of woman, the woman who has everything except for the guy. And I focused my energies about 15 years ago on helping women exclusively. And now two decades into this, I'm living my own dream. And it's a lot easier to help people achieve their dream if you've actually achieved the thing that you set out to achieve. So I'm one of the luckiest people you'll ever talk to. I love it. And I have to ask, why only coach women? Are men just really annoying? Were you doing that for a little bit with men? No, first first five years I was working with men. Mm -hmm. I was just, again, I was making up this job. It didn't have a job description. And 20% of the guys were men and they were were nice guys. They were the guys with no game. And they were actually really easy to help. It Mm -hmm. was not a hard job to help these guys summon a little bit of confidence and purpose. The problem was they don't ask for much help, right? So my the line is men need more help. Women ask for more help. So I serve the people who are asking for it as much as I'd like to wave a magic wand and help fix what's wrong with men. It's not my, my mandate. Yeah, that's fair. I'm curious, though, in working with men, you said like a lot of these men had no game. What to you is game, right? Because it's different to everyone. Like, sure. and I know there've been tons of books written on like, you know, there was that, that book called the, the game. game. Yeah. Right. So, and I, and we hated that, right? Cause it was like a, what do they call them? A pickup artist. Pickup artist. Mm-hmm. All these words at this point are kind of overdone, right? 
authenticity, vulnerability, confidence, all those kind of things. All of those, if you were to describe to me what you like in a guy, right? Why do women respond to certain men and why do other guys get put in the friend zone? Why do we see some guys as sexual beings and other guys as, oh my God, he's like my brother. It usually comes down to his confidence in himself, how he sees himself in the world. And so how do we connote that? How do you teach that? Well, you teach the behaviors of it, right? It's, 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 it's cognitive behavioral psychology. If you show a guy, hey, make plans on Friday night, <laughs> choose a restaurant. I got it. You just, you just show up. I got you. Teach him those behaviors. He will come across as a confident guy and can step into that role. And so I almost reverse engineer that with women, telling women, my, my metaphor is women are the CEOs and men are the interns applying for a job. So how do you, if you don't have confidence in this arena, how do you project confidence in this arena so that men start to see you the way you see certain men as worthy of your time? Mm, interesting. Elaborate more on the women being the CEOs and men being the interns. Like, how did you come to that kind of conclusion? If I were coaching men, and this is sincere, I would tell them the same thing. Mm -hmm. The point is you want to be the main character in your life. Mm -hmm. You can't just be sitting there waiting for someone's approval. I hope he or she likes me. I hope he or she calls, right? I hope I say the right thing, right? No one, no one's attracted to that. No one really respects that. And that doesn't mean that a guy has to be an asshole or a woman has to be a raving bitch. Remember, there's the why men love bitches, right? Model of dating. That's, you know, popular book. And we're all saying some version of the same thing, that if you value yourself enough and you realize men are abundant, you don't have to treat any guy like he's the last man on earth. You don't have to chase down men. You don't have to text him wondering where things are going and when you're going to see him again. A guy who likes you shows you he likes you. And all you have to do is decide, do I like the way this man makes me feel enough to give him all of my time and attention? And if I don't, I need to fire that intern, right? And I don't know who's going to replace him, but I need to fire him because he's taking up the space of someone who could be worthy of being my man. So if you see yourself as the CEO and men as interns, you realize they're trying out for a job with me, not I'm trying out for a job with them. I love that. And there are so many interns in the world. Infinite. And most of them suck. Mm -hmm. Right. So we could say simultaneously, 90% of men are not worthy of your lifetime commitment. But if that means the 10% are, there's reason to keep going. And all you need is one and you're in business. So that's, yeah. that's what I do is give women the faith that there is a 10% of men who are worth your time and all you need is one. So don't quit. Don't give up. Don't say I'm perfectly happy being single if you're not really. Don't spend all your time working on your career when you wake up in 40 and say, I wish I. So prioritize this now you're more likely to have the love story for your future. Yeah, very true. And speaking of love stories, I would love to hear your story with your wife. How did you guys meet and connect? And at the time that you did, were you already a dating coach? I was already a dating coach. It is not an asset for what it's worth. Um, I know. That's why I'm, I'm like, I wonder how that was navigated. No, you'll, you'll, you'll go out with people like, are you using me for research? Do you take everybody here? Are you going to write about me in your blog? And I was like, I just want to fall in love and get married. It was, there was no hidden agenda. Mm -hmm. So my, the person who became my wife didn't make a big deal about what I did at all. That was part of her charm. But I, I love our origin story because I'm a big online dating advocate, not because it's great, it's horribly flawed, but it's the only way you could guarantee a love life. You can get yourself a date like that, right? Waiting for Mr. Right to find you, I don't think is a great value proposition. So I believe in online dating. My wife and I were both online at the same time, but we never would have met each other online because she wasn't looking for a Jewish guy. I wasn't looking for a woman who was three years older than I was. I was 34, she was 37. I, that wasn't part of my agenda. We met at a party thrown by a woman who, who I'd gone out with, who just blew me off. We said, hey, we could still be friends. Come to my party. I was like, yeah, I'm going to come to your party and I'm going to ignore you. That was my agenda for the party. I'm going to come to your party and ignore you. And so I met this woman talking to her and her friend standing by the mac and cheese at a Sunday night potluck dinner in Beverly Hills. Right? And I was talking to these two women for like six hours until the party shut down. 
And I wasn't like even hitting on them. It was just like easy, fun, normal conversation. And at the end of the night, I kind of like, I got to choose one. I was talking to them both, but not with any, again, agenda. And I chose one and we never stopped talking. She just turned out to be the perfect fit for me, but nothing like I was looking for online. Nothing like the woman I was looking for online. And I was nothing like the guy she was used to dating. And that's that's where the coaching part comes in. That's where you could actually turn this into something that could help other people. Yeah. But I, I have to ask because you just said like you had to make a decision. There was nothing pulling you towards your wife? No, but that that's why I shared the story, right? Maybe your origin story. Again, I've 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 followed you and I've read about you. I don't know your origin story, but some people have that moment. Oh my God, you just know when you meet the one. I didn't have that, oh my God, you just know moment. And I think that's okay to not know. What I think people should know is, you know when you've met the wrong person and act quickly, right? If you've got a bad feeling, you've got, this guy's a player, this guy's a liar, this guy's a loser, this guy's a fixer-upper. I don't trust him. I can't be myself around him. He makes me feel anxious. Get rid of him. So did I know my wife was the, was the one early on? No. Was there anything telling me she wasn't? No, it was just smooth and easy. And our relationship is the kind that gets better over time. Most people start really hot and then crash and burn. So I think it's okay not to know, but if you have comfort and fun and attraction in that first month of dating, keep going. Yeah, what was her perspective on meeting you? Was she like, oh my God, I gotta bring my friend to the bathroom and tell her he's mine? Certainly not. Certainly not. She was she was divorced from a man who cheated on her. She played around, slept around, enjoyed being single, dated a guy for t- who was 10 years younger. So she, again, to her credit or discredit, was not like highly focused on marriage and kids. She was just kind of in her mid 30s, kind of just having fun, living life, traveling, that kind of thing. And so it took a lot of pressure off of both of us because we didn't think this was it. It was it wasn't casual, but it was not all the pressure that people put on dating. Is this person the one I got to figure out what's wrong with this person really quickly? And because it was really low pressure, we kind of hung out. It was almost like meeting someone on vacation. It was like really like kind of let down your guard and be yourself. And the more time we spent together, the more I was like, why wouldn't I want to spend all my time with her? Even if she didn't fit the image in my head of what I thought I should be with. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, maybe it, it does. No, it does make sense. And I think that it is really interesting because there's a lot of different ways to make a connection with somebody. I would say yours, some people refer to it as like a slow burn almost. Yeah. Like you slowly get to know each other and every time, you know, things get better and and greater. But I, But then I hear people saying like, and I don't think that this is, what happened with you, but correct me if I'm wrong. I hear people saying like, oh, you don't need any spark whatsoever. You just need like mutual values. And oh, I'm no. like, no, 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 no. And, and, that, and this and that's why this is I, mean, I, have a, I have a course called Love You, where I try to teach people more effective ways of finding love rather than sort of playing the husband lottery. Oh, my God, you'll see him online. You'll just know the second you meet. like that's great. But that is kind of like winning the lottery. And there's lots of other ways to get rich other than winning the lottery. So with ours, that's why I say you need attraction. Like sex in a relationship is a necessary component, right? You're not going to have a happy life if you don't have a successful sex life and uh, the requisite attraction to go with it. But a lot of people think because they have a good sex life or great chemistry, that means they'll have a great relationship. And everybody who's ever been wildly attracted to someone who destroyed their heart knows Those are two wildly different things, being attracted to someone and being long-term compatible. So you need a spark to start a relationship, but that spark is not what's going to keep you there 30 years from now. It is, are you best friends? Can you let down your guard? Can you trust? Can this person be the foundation of your life, right? Where you're building a family with someone and they're on your bank account and you're making a hundred little decisions a day. That's why I talk about relationships being easy. People think relationships are work, work, work. If you choose really well, they're fundamentally easy. Like your best friend should be easy. Yeah, that I agree with. And I feel like I almost get like, I I don't think it will be easy every moment, but I think 
primarily it should be easy. I agree with you there. Right. So it's what, 90, 95% we agree. And because we're different human beings, we're not going to agree on everything. And the 5% becomes negotiable. But because there's so much love and goodwill, it's never, is this the hill I'm going to die on? There's never been a fight with my wife where I was like, well, I don't think I could do this any longer. Like, it's just, it's almost like siblings. Like you fight, you get over it and you're past it. It doesn't, it doesn't carry the weight, the threat of anything ending. So there's never been a time in my relationship where I wanted out of my relationship ever even though I didn't have those crazy high highs that I associated with my 20s. Right, right. And those are dangerous. I am just coming in from doing a dating consultation with the sweetest woman who I've ever met, who just like was busy building her career and she didn't have time to focus on dating, but now she wants to intentionally date And I always tell people when I meet with them who want to intentionally date that they need to be using Hinge and honestly, not any other app because Hinge is the dating app that's designed to be deleted. It's the dating app that's all about knowing who you are, what you're looking for and expressing those desires and wants to others without being too cringe, which is where I come in. I love to help people make their profile kind of like a breath of fresh air while also being able to set their intentions. And what's really cool is on your profile, you can include like what you're looking for. Like you can write long-term relationship if you want. And then you don't have to write in the prompts like, you know, something I really want is like a long-term relationship because you already said it, you know? And that's what's so great about Hinge having these prompts. And also, you know, with these prompts, you can say things about who you are. Like they have a prompt that's the award I should be nominated for. And, you know, this person was an only child. So I, I wrote most normal only child. And that's like, you know, it's, it's funny because only children get a rep for being not normal, but it also shows them something about you. I'm an only child, you know? So download Hinge and share your dating intentions to find someone worth deleting the app for. And let me know what you think. I'm going to ask you some questions that kind of came in from our listeners that I'm curious your take on. What would you say are green flags in women that you would tell a male friend of yours or let's say a male client in the past to look for? I don't want to sound like I'm being too reductive. So, you know, but I, I occasionally I'll get a guy, a guy friend who asks me for advice. Hey, you get, you have, and you do all this stuff with women. Tell me something. Start with someone happy and someone who's reasonable, where you can disagree without tempers flaring, without insecurities being triggered. You could express your opinion. She'll listen to you. She'll respond. She'll take it in. Everything doesn't get amped up to 10. So if you have someone who's fundamentally happy, likes who she is, likes her life, you're not there to save her, and you could handle conflict well, that's a great baseline to start with. If someone is too anxious, neurotic, anxious attachment style, easily triggered, gets upset over little things, turns them into big things, it doesn't matter how much attraction there is, whether that person has a huge heart, you're in for a bit of a roller coaster relationship. So I like smooth, I like placid relationships because I had a bunch of tempestuous ones in my 20s, early 30s, where I hadn't figured out the importance of something that was easy. Yeah, I hear you. And I agree with what you're saying. But with the second part of like, if you find someone who's anxious or blah, 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 doesn't that sometimes fix itself by being in a relationship with a secure partner? Because you can only do so much as an anxious attached person, let's say, with your therapist. But at the end of the day, you can only really correct that by being in that secure, healthy relationship. So it's like, if you're going to tell, let's say, these guys not to date those women who can, who will, right? I, I, I think that I, your point is well taken. I'm not going to disagree with your point. I'd probably give it like a, a, a and like on top of that. If life is like sort of a Venn diagram and he's the avoidant guy who triggers my anxiety, right? What I would generally ask women to do is A, work on your anxiety to become more secure, more trusting, and choose better men. If you choose secure men, a lot of those problems will go away. 
because he's not going to be the guy who leaves you guessing. He's not going to be the guy who bails on you. But I've been this guy. I've, I've come, I'm fortunate to come, to come from a secure background, parents who stayed together, et cetera. Sometimes all the security in the world and all the love in the world doesn't fix the problem. If she is cyber stalking you, if she is texting you, what's going on, right? Why did you smile at that woman at that party? Where were you last night? If, if nothing I do solves her insecurity, I'm going to find someone who doesn't make me feel like a criminal. That's, that's the tricky part is, is you could say the right guy will cure those problems, but some people's problems run deeper than that. And I had, I had plenty of those relationships where I can't show you anymore how much I love you. If you still think that I'm a flight risk, if you think I'm a bad guy, you should probably find someone else because I'm trying so hard and whatever I do isn't good enough to make you feel secure. So it's the both and, right? It's, right. I, I'm acknowledging your point, but that doesn't always fix it. Yeah, that's fair. I'm curious what you think of this debate that my husband and I had yesterday. We were talking about, I had just in this episode recently spoken about a poll question that I put up on my Instagram. And it was, if something annoyed you in the first, like after the first four dates with someone, would you say something, you know, should you say something or not? And I said, you should, you know, obviously it's in the way that you say it, but you should, because it's like, if something annoys you and you see a future with this person and you don't say something, then you start dating them. And then you're like, by the way, this annoyed me and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, where did this come from? I wish you had told me early on. His point was like, if somebody told him that something annoyed him after four dates, he's out. He's like, this is, this is not fun anymore. Right. So I'm, regretfully more on your husband's side with this one, even though I could acknowledge your point. No one wants to waste time, but I would go back to the idea that if a man came to you and criticized you on date three, you know, you'd look a lot prettier if you grew your hair longer. Like, shut the fuck up, man. Like, I, I don't need to hear it from you, right? Your opinion on what's wrong with me. I had that once. Like someone went out with me and told me at the end of date one, you're really opinionated. And I was like, yeah. And, you know, you might want to might want to work on that. I was like, Check, please. So your observations about someone are right. Anything you find wrong with the guy, you're probably correct. The question is, did he hire you to be his consultant? No. Is he your boyfriend? Is he bought in yet? No. So if I'm playing my cards for you, find a guy who really, really digs you. Right? In a relationship, yes, you have to speak. Men are not mind readers. If you don't tell him what the problem is, he can't fix the problem. But sometimes the problem is his personality. Yeah. And you can't have a relationship dependent upon someone changing for you. So any problem you have with a guy, I would assume saying something isn't going to change it. So it's more of a, do I want to do this presuming nothing changes rather than I'm going to tell him wrong with what's wrong with him so he can change? Does that yeah. make sense? No, that does make sense. But how about this? What if it's over the guy being late? Like he's 10 minutes late or something. And then I'm like, you know, you're awesome. I'm you. Having a great time. Having a great time here. We're not, we're not going to be late again. Because if we're late again, I'm not down for that. Like I, you need Lindsay, to respect my you, time. You said, you said the absolute right thing. My wife has never been on time. We're now 17 years into the relationship, 15 years into the marriage. Her family told me in the first month, you're going to have to get used to Bridget time. Bridget time just happens to run 15, 20 minutes later than everybody else's time. Am I happy with it? No. Will it ever change? No. Do I gripe about it? Yes, reluctantly. Is it ever going to change? No. This is the thing that I put up with to be in a marriage where it gives me so much more. And she has to put up with me and all the stuff that goes with that too. And it's not a one, one, one way street. So that's the thing is people don't really change. Even if you say, I don't like, like this late thing about you. She's like, no, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. And she's going to keep on doing it. He's going to keep on doing it. Right. And so I'm not here to make anybody wrong. All I'm saying is that in general, bank on people not changing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past. 
And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. It's funny. I interviewed Dan Savage, who's also like an OG, and he, you know, was saying that his partner makes a huge mess in the kitchen every time he cooks. Like, it's just a, it's a shit show. And he's like, and the, you know, the first couple of years I was like, this is not okay. You need to pick this up. You need to do this. It's enough. And then he's like, and then I was like, you know what? I have to pay the price to ride the ride. Like this is my husband and I know that he makes a mess and I could tell, I could yell at him every single time and waste my energy, or I can just come home and put the shit back in the cabinets and in the dishwasher and move on with my life and get over it. And that's, and you're, you're relatively recently married. That is just great marriage advice. And it doesn't go down easy to the single listener. Oh God. I mean, we can't, we can't change these guys with all these flaws. Again, anything you say about your boyfriend or the guy you're saying that you're critical of, if you told me, I'm sure I'd agree with you. Yeah. But we're not, we're not your projects. We're not your fixer uppers. Find a guy who bothers you the least. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Cause I remember my, an ex of mine, he never used a coaster on any of my things and like nice things that like you need to use a coaster on. And it would annoy me so much. And I would tell him over and over. And then, you know, maybe one out of 10 times he would actually use the coaster and it never changed. And I know that if we were together today, he would still not be using a coaster, even if it was a a thing that he had bought for our home, he still wouldn't be using it. The key point of this for our listeners, Lindsay, is if you put yourself in his shoes, and I'm going to try to for a second, and I'm down with coasters too. We think that this is somehow indicative of how much they love us or their character, and it has nothing to do with it. This has to do with how much someone values something. My wife doesn't value time the way I value time, right? We go away for a three-day weekend. She's packing for three days. She's pulling all-nighters. I don't understand it in, in the least. This is what she needs to do to feel comfortable, that her earrings match her belt. And if it's 60 degrees in the morning and 80, she has different outfits and she's coordinated. This is what it takes is a spreadsheet. And I pack in an hour. So my way of dealing with it is I know if we're going on vacation, I'm going to lose my wife for a week before the vacation. And I should expect zero from her. Like she's got a big project at work. That's what it takes. And I'm just going to catch up with friends, maybe watch a little TV like I'm not going to yell at her because it doesn't accomplish anything. This is her process, whether I get it or like it or agree with it. And that's so many things in marriage where you don't have to like it. You have to deal with it. If you can't deal with it, dump them, find someone you could deal with. Right. Because there's no point in having the same fight. You will. Mm -hmm. John Gottman, 70% of couples fights are the same fight over and over. Right. So find a fight that's stupid, like coasters, not a fight as to whether he wants fidelity or whether he, he likes your family or he's willing to get a job. Like, let's not have big things lingering. Let them all be these stupid things. Right. Exactly. Another question that came up was, what do you think is the most toxic piece of dating advice for women? There's a lot of competition for that. Mm. And I, I want to say, I, I like, what I like what you put out there. It's part of why I'm here. I really like what you put out there. It's straight talking, right? New York Jewish. Here's how, how it is. And I, and I appreciate that. I think in the interest of self-esteem, everybody's so delicate about giving advice, so afraid of offending that we almost end up saying nothing. So I think most dating advice is not bad. It just doesn't do anything positive. It doesn't help anybody. You know, love will happen when you least expect it. That's that's one that really drives me nuts. 
right? Does does your new career happen when you least expect it? Is the career fairy going to climb down the chimney, chimney and hand you your new six-figure job? No, this is an intentional thing like anything else you do in life. So as a dating coach, I basically have women take love as seriously as they take other things. Women have practices. They got yoga, meditation, skincare, nighttime, workout, Pilates. Does, does everybody have a dating practice that they do really intentionally for a half hour a day where they're evaluating good candidates and scheduling time with guys? Because if you put a half hour a day into dating, you meet one decent guy a week, you're going to find love in the next six months. If you sort of don't, you can't be terribly surprised that time creeps up on you and you start to panic. And so for me, love happens when you least expect it is probably the thing that goes against my thing, which is that you really can control your destiny if you put some time and energy into it. Right. I agree with you. And I don't know if this is like a Jewish thing or not, but it reminds me of like, you know, people who just sit at home and pray, but don't actually do anything for the thing that they want to happen versus like if God forbid someone in their family was sick and they prayed, but they also went to the best hospital and they found the best doctor and they also made them an appointment with that doctor. It's like, well, who's going to be more successful? The person who's sitting at home praying or the person who's doing both? I've got many readers who are praying for their guy. God has a plan for me and my love life. And I'm not I'm not going to say anything against that, but I agree with you that it has to be coupled with choosing better partners and making a consistent effort. And so part of the thing that I get as a male coach for women is why, I mean, why are you telling women what's wrong with them? Why don't you tell men? I get that a lot. And I already told you men are not asking. Otherwise I tell them. Yeah. Right. So 80% of my work is telling women how to choose better men. I'm not telling you what's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. It's not about tearing down women. It's about raising your standards for what you should come to expect from men. And I think women tend to lower their standards, right? Based on the, they lower their standards on the wrong things. You know, I coached Lori Gottlieb and I heard her on your podcast. The things that women lower their standards on, character, kindness, consistency, communication, and commitment. If he's cute, funny, smart, rich, we'll put up with anything, right? But we're sacrificing on character, kindness, consistency, communication, and commitment. And if your listeners look back on their relationships and think about why did I break up with the guy or what was really wrong with that boyfriend who I deeply loved, it's rarely the coasters. It's usually he had anger issues and he would berate me. Usually, I didn't trust him. I, I saw his texts and I, he said he'd reform, but he couldn't. Mm-hmm. He was a chronic pot smoker. He couldn't get his act together. Like it was always like some huge deficiency and she'll double down that, on that for two years. So I'm all slow to hire, quick to fire, mm. take four to six weeks to figure out if a guy's boyfriend worthy, right? If he's not giving you what you need, get rid of him quick, next, next, next. Instead of I've been single for a year. I'm not dating online. Cute guy hit on me. I'm lonely. I sleep with him. I keep my fingers crossed. That's not a dating strategy. You're now the intern. You're not the CEO. Right. Mm. Mic drop. I agree with that 100%. And something that you mentioned was standards, which come up a lot. You know, I also do dating consultations with men and women. And there are so many times, I'm not going to lie, that I would like to say, we need to lower your standards. And I don't mean personality standards. I mean, physical standards. And I'm sure you see this too, but you know, most people are not supermodels. That's just a fact. With me anyway, present company excluded. Hussie's hussy's cuter. I mean, that's okay. But <laughs> you know, there's more to life than that. <laughs> most people are not supermodels. Most women are not. And especially most men are not. At the end of the day, I always say men more or less are all going to look the same in like 15 years. You are a lucky man. You have your hair. Very rare, very rare, right? Most men will be losing their hair. Most men will be X, Y, and Z. And you know, women too, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm a woman, so we're going to lift them up. But every looks fade is the bottom line, right? And Mm -hmm. so when I'm talking to these women or these men, they are looking for this unicorn physical specimen. And it's so freaking delusional. It's insane. 
And I think of, I always use this example, like Rosie Huntington Wheatley, this actual supermodel, right? I know she is. Dating, married to Jason Satham, who's not that tall, has no hair on his head, and they have a lovely relationship from what it seems, right? I have no idea in reality. So it's like, why are you better than Rosie Huntington Wheatley? And how do we get people in general to be more lenient? Because let's say we're talking about dating apps only, not meeting in person. When you meet in person, you at least get a taste for their personality. But on dating apps, you are just swiping no on all these people because they're not picturesquely handsome or beautiful. Okay. You opened up a huge can of worms. Do you mind if I dive into it a little Please. bit? Because I, 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 I've got a, lot, I've got a lot on this because it is, this is super important. And I never use the words right and wrong when I'm coaching people. I always use effective and ineffective. Is this working for you or is it not working for you? I'm not going to judge you either way, right? People tend to be emotional, right? And we coaches tend to give a lot of logic, right? So You have to nudge someone. You have to build emotional trust to even get people to listen to your logic, to think that you might have something to say. So then it's never an attack on them for you are delusional. No one's going to hear you when you're saying you're delusional, even if you're right. No one's going to hear you. So what we could say is let's talk about how things are. Studies show people, men and women, want to date, according to OkCupid, about 25% up. We're all aspirational daters. And why not? The nature of the apps are such that we have infinite choice, right? So why should anybody have to settle on anybody less than what they're dreaming of? The problem is that this is different than ordering a book on Amazon. It doesn't come home with you just because you click on the button, right? So we look at this like almost economics, market value. If you were to market a gallon of organic milk that you made with the cows in your backyard, and you sold it for $20 a gallon, right? Because that's what it was worth with your magic cow and nobody bought your milk, you have to lower the price of the milk, right? So I'll tell everybody, you can hold out for whatever you're looking to hold out for as long as our process and love you is working for you. If you're getting a date a week and at least 50% of the guys are coming back for more, you're doing great. If you're striking out because you're aiming so high, We need to do something different to produce a different result. And I think there's an underexploited resource of men online that you've alluded to, which is to date the sevens, right? Who might be a 10 in character instead of trying to find the 10 who doesn't come with a whole bunch of ego and a whole bunch of problems and hope that he's also a nice person. So in my experience, my clients are actually the equivalent. Women are getting upset with men. Why are men so shallow? Why won't he go out with a woman who's a couple years older? Why won't he go out with a woman who's a little more full figure? And I just show him it's the same exact thing. You're asking men to compromise to be with you, but you refuse to compromise on men. And then you give more statistics. Only 14% of men are over six feet tall, 86% are below, 50% are below 5'9". Right? You want a guy who makes $200,000? That's less than 5% of men. So you want a guy who's six feet tall and $200,000? Well, that is 14% times 5%. We're already at 0.1% before we've talked to whether he's a nice person. So our numbers don't work. So we want to get the biggest possible numbers and then select from those big numbers. So I tell women when they hear, oh, you're telling me to lower my standards. No, you're Harvard. Harvard, maybe at least when I was there, not you know back in the day, would take 10% of its applicants. Now it takes closer to five. So you could be an Ivy League institution. You could still have perfectly high standards, but you have to be open to 10% of guys for us to be in business. If you're only open to 0.01% of men, your dating stops, grinds to a halt. So I don't judge you for that. I'm just saying it's not effectively helping you find your future partner if you've determined that only 0.0001% of men, oh, and he has to be Jewish. That's 1.7% of the population. So now that's how we dis- we discover the unicorn. Oh, he has to be a vegan. He has to be spiritual, but not religious. He has to like, you know, downhill skiing at least 12 weeks a year. And we layer all these things on and well, who are we left to choose from? So when we throw out that scorecard and we say, how do I feel? How does this guy make me feel? Does he make me feel accepted? Does he make me feel safe? Do I know where I stand with him? 
when we talk, is it, is it easy and fun? Does it, is it just physical? Does he just text me at 11 o'clock at night or does he actually want to hang out with me platonically? So really everybody knows what it's like to be treated well. And I just encourage women to find men who treat them well. And from that subset determine, is this enough that I won't feel like I settled for the rest of my life? Because my wife, again, if you're, you're us and you're East Coast Jewish and you, you've been taught you're a prince or a princess and you deserve the whole world, right? My wife is not fancy education, master's degree, didn't have a six-figure job, divorced. Everybody in her family is an alcoholic. Her dad's a right-wing, Rush Limbaugh-loving, racist, sexist. This is not the picture that I grew up with. My wife is delightful. It doesn't matter as long as you're happy. <laughs> and I'm not happy. I, I dated 300 people who I thought would make me happy. And I was wrong every single time. So at what point do you say what I'm looking for isn't serving me? Maybe I need to throw out that model and pay attention to how he treats me and how I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. And then also... I always say like, if you have this list, which the list is so annoying, you know, unless it's a manifestation list, but if you have this check boxes and you are not everything on that list, who are you kidding? I think that's, I think that's great because I, I would, I would agree with you and I would just soften it to make it more palatable, but I completely agree with you in principle. Right. So we start with a different list. And this is the last exercise in Love You. Right. It's called the husband picker. Right? Very specifically, here, you laminate this thing, it's going to direct you to your husband. You can't go wrong. The second list on the husband picker is what you need. Right. What you need is determined from what you've had in ex boyfriends in the past. Maybe you could do this with me for a second right now. Think of your exes in the past that you loved. Right. Handful of guys, three, four guys, right? Before your husband. Where did they fall short? What were the, their big flaws? And let's put like five of those things on a list. What of do you things, got? Of things I did not want. I would still be with John if he wasn't. Oh, okay. Um, I would still be with Jeff sure, if sure, he sure. wasn't a liar. <laughs> like, Complacent okay. is one. What's the opposite of warm? Cold? Yeah. Cold All is right. one. Like, is there a word for unwillingness to work on yourself in therapy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yes, my, my wife has that too. <laughs> but, but I think the point is that guy wasn't right for you because he needed to work on himself to be with you. Right. Right. He wasn't, he wasn't the man you needed him to be. What was he missing? It wasn't just that he needed to work on himself in therapy. There was a problem that you thought Unresolved he needed. Unresolved drama. Got it. So he was drama. No, trauma, trauma, but also trauma. trauma. Okay. Okay. Trauma <laughs> and drama, they go together. Hmm. Punctuality. Okay. Which we discussed, but that one's like not a big deal to me. If I actually like them. You're doing great. And I think I need one more. Let me think. Um, oh, like disrespectful to family members. Like Got it. <laughs> not respectful to women in their family. Okay. I think that's a really great, very specific list. And it's not necessarily going to overlay onto everybody else's list. In fact, I think your answers were, were really unique. Usually what I hear are the bigger things that we were talking about earlier, right? He wouldn't text me for four straight days, right? When he got angry, he became a different person, right? I never knew where I stood with him. I was constantly on eggshells. When I brought up something around my feelings, he wouldn't listen to me. He would dismiss me. I dated him for three years and I still couldn't tell if he wanted to get married or have kids. Right? Huge things, right? That's what you need. And those are the characteristics that you need to find. I'm assuming your husband has those characteristics, which your exes didn't. So when we fill in that list, everything else becomes a bonus. Oh, is he 5'11 versus 5'9"? that's a bonus, right? Is he a foodie like me? That's a bonus. The things that we think we're looking for on that checklist are really our secondary list. The primary list are the emotional failures of the previous men, if that makes mm, sense. Yeah, I love that. That's a great way to do that exercise. And like when you said the more general ones, I was like, mm -hmm, yeah, those two, but not all right, of no, them. You, you, I think because you've been doing this for a long time, you're, you, you know... 
you know, the sort of the higher level needs mm. that you've, that men have failed you, but it's usually at a primary level. I talked about no one really breaks up over coasters, right? There's these primary needs, almost like Maslow's hierarchy that are not getting met. Right. And if those yeah. needs had been met, the coasters would not matter because exactly. you know that my husband also doesn't use a coaster and I don't care. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and yeah, you talk about doing the work and the self-help. I was the first year I was dating my wife. I was like, honey, I read this book. This would help you at work. You really got to do this. I took this course. You, you have to do this. Right. And she said to me and talk about a mic drop. Evan, you do all this self-help. I'm happier than you are. So shut the fuck up. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. It was amazing. I was like, you're right. I do think you should be doing these things. And simultaneously, if you're happy the way you are, it's not my place to tell you to do a self-help program. That's true. That's true. Okay. We're going to do some really fun poll questions. Rapid fire. Are you ready? I'm strapping myself in. These are like a one word answer. All right. A married man travels for work and doesn't wear his wedding ring when he travels because he doesn't like the jewelry feeling on his hand. Red flag or no big deal? Red flag. Mm -hmm. Would you rather someone completely forget to invite you to something or they thought of you, but you were the next person that was going to be invited and they could only fit so many? Completely forget. Hmm. I I agree. I had this debate. Feels less personal. Mm-hmm. I Feels agree. Less personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it matter how soon before a best friend's wedding you get engaged? Yes or no? No. Mm-hmm. I know it's one word answer, so I want to elaborate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're a groomsman in a friend's wedding, but you didn't receive a plus one. Do you ask for one or just hope that you'll get one? Yes. And I did this. <laughs> And I got, this is with an ex-girlfriend. She invited, this is, I'll tell this, it's necessary. I was invited to an ex's wedding. She was like my when Harry met Sally person, right? We went our separate ways, stayed in touch, whatever. Invites me to her wedding for her eHarmony guy. I'm going to, I book a flight to go to Baltimore and I'm not given a plus one. I'm dating my wife at the time. And so I say, hey, you know, I don't know anybody at this wedding. I'm coming for you to celebrate you. She gets so upset that I'm bringing a plus one. She disinvites me from the wedding. Oh, God. True story. Got disinvited from the wedding because I wanted a plus one at a wedding where I had a serious girlfriend. I didn't know anybody. I didn't think that was out of line, but she sure did. <laughs> so, well, it sounds like there was a lot more that she was feeling other than. That. I don't know. I literally got to the point where I was like, I will come to the wedding ceremony and you won't even have to pay for a plate. If this is about like, I'll just come. I got tickets already. Right. And she just got so upset that I was overriding her plus one that I assumed I could get one that she thought it was easier to disinvite me. So that's wild. So I have very I, strong feelings about that. I would just be like, if, if the answer was no, I would just be like, no, we can't do plus ones. We already gave in the whatever, you know, I wouldn't be like, you're uninvited. It, it was, it was bad. Yeah. A guy you met already has watched Sex in the City on his own, like not with a girlfriend or, or ex-wife or anything. Is that a green flag or a red flag? I would say it's more of a green flag, an unenthusiastic okay. green flag. What type of breakup is worse? Them cheating on you or them saying nothing is wrong? They're just not in love with you anymore. Cheating. Hmm. I have so much more to say, but their one word answers are <laughs> killing me. <laughs> If you're in a long-term relationship, well, you kind of answer this, but if you're in a long-term relationship or married, are they the type of person you always imagined you'd end up with? No, but it's better. I love that. And have you seen 500 Days of Summer? That's the, that's the moral of the story in 500 Days of Summer. The girlfriend he ends up with, she wasn't the manic pixie dream girl fantasy. The difference between her is that she was real. I love that. That's really nice. I have to rewatch that movie. That's a good one. Evan, can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice, even though you've given us so much already? You don't have to change to find the right man. You just have to change your choice of man. Love it. Where can everybody find you, follow you, listen to your podcast, sign up for your course, all of the things? Sure. Well, I made a special gift for your listeners. If you go to evanmarkkatz.com forward slash Acme, I'll give you a special report, seven massive mistakes you're making in dating. And I'm 
to be found everywhere that you could find people. Um, go to Evan Mark Katz, and I have a a newsletter and a podcast. My podcast is called The Love You Podcast. I'm on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and Facebook, and I just been giving away free dating and relationship advice for 20 years. I, I hope it's clear that I'm passionate. And if you want to get this perspective from a man's point of view, uh, and you need some handholding with this process, my signature course is called Love You. It's a six-month curriculum in a community of smart, strong, successful women who are tired of being alone, tired of doing everything for themselves, want to have someone who takes care of them and has their back, and despite all their best intentions, haven't been able to achieve it. And my job is to hold you, hold your hand through that process and get you into the relationship that you, Lindsay, have, the one that you talk so eloquently about. Everybody should have that. And if you're not getting it, that's what dating coaches are for. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. It was so nice to chat with you. And you're delightful. Thank you. <laughs> note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.